Dan Campbell may very well be the face of analytics in the NFL as it stands right now. We're breaking down the top takeaways on today's Renner Ranks. This is Renner Ranks, the ultimate NFL ranking show. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Renner Ranks, your go-to daily rankings podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Shout out to all you everydayers for making Renner Ranks your first listen every day. Don't forget, like, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. I am your host, Mike Renner, NFL Draft Analyst for The Messenger, at Mike Renner underscore on social media. Today's episode is brought to you by the GameTime app. Download GameTime, create an account, use code LOCKDOWNNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. As I said, it's the Week 10 Takeaways, a jam-packed week. People were complaining about the slate, but I very much enjoyed this week's of this week of NFL games. Let's get right into it. My first of the five takeaways. I am happy as heck for my man Bobby Slowick. Texans, Houston Texans offensive coordinator. Now, obviously, CJ Stroud, another masterclass. Back-to-back weeks, game-winning drives. Can't miss right now. Man can't miss. Now, obviously, through the pick six. He can miss, but he can't miss right now. But I want to talk about Bobby Slowick for a second because he's – if you guys – I'll give the whole backstory here. He was son of Bob Slowick, who was a DC in the NFL. Got his first job, 2010, video coordinator for the Washington Redskins back then. Four years there, was on that vaunted 2013 staff that had Mike McDaniel, Matt LaFleur, uh, Sean McVay, just – Stacked, I believe, was it four head coaches in the NFL right now? He's no C in the NFL right now. It's Raheem Morris is on that staff as well. Just unbelievable. He was a outside linebackers coach, defensive assistant on that staff. Super young guy. He's only 36 years old. Gets fired when all that, when that staff was clean house after the 2013 season. Comes to PFF. Came to work at Pro Football Focus where I was working, where I had been at for only two years. Had only just gotten into the football space, and I'm tasked with teaching Bobby Slowick the PFF grading system. And at no point in time did Bobby Slowick, who spent four years as a coach in the NFL, his dad was an NFL DC for years with the Green Bay Packers. Like the guy knows football inside and out, Bobby. At no point did he ever big time anyone at PFF do anything other than want to learn how we saw the game of football want to have discussions about the game of football and never ever once acted like he was better than anyone else because he played in the NFL. And at the staff at PFF at that time, him, he and Zach Robinson, I believe, came in the same year. And there were not NFLers on PFF back then. You have to think about this was nine years ago, a long time ago. PFF at the time when I worked there, was a bunch of, they were outsiders. They were the guys, uh, you know, we kind of had to fight and claw to demand respect from the general public and from the NFL. And getting a guy like Bobby Slowick on staff and him teaching us as we taught him kind of the PFF grading system and helping each other out really gave us a lot of credibility. It really launched PFF uh, into more NFL sort of uh, discussions behind the scenes in terms of like, gaining more acceptance within the league, selling our product to GMs, head coaches, and whatnot. And was great to me. Helped me out so much in my journey 
uh, in terms of learning football because I had, I had not even played high school football. My high school, University of Illinois Laboratory High School, did not have a football program. I love the sport, obsessed with the sport. Obviously, that's why I do what I do, why I didn't want to do anything else, why I worked for like $20,000 a year for multiple years at PFF there, just living from home half that time because I wanted this more than anything else in the world. And I knew I was going to work hard at this. Didn't know I was going to work hard at much else, <laughs> to be honest. But Bobby helped me out so much. Gets obviously back into the league 2017. So three years at PFF, gets back in the league as a quality control coach for Kyle Shanahan and San Francisco 49ers when he got hired. Obviously spends years there, switches to the offensive side of the ball, multiple years there, gets the job now with the Texans. And watching that offense in Houston, and so now obviously we have kind of the tree around the NFL that I mentioned, that 2013 staff where you have McVay, who kind of put his spin on it when he spun off of the Kyle Shanahan tree. You have uh, Mike McDaniel, who obviously put his spin on it. That thing looks way different than what anything, you know, than what the 49ers were running uh, there in San Francisco before he left. And you have Matt LaFleur, who put his spin on it in Green Bay and kind of merged a lot with what Aaron Rodgers liked to do early on in his career in Green Bay. Slowick and what they're running in Houston, I think, is the closest thing to purely what Kyle Shanahan does. Now, Shanahan's like evolved his offense wholesale over the years. It's not, obviously, you don't stay on top of the league the way he is by running the same stuff, but I think he's about as close as it gets. And that's why I've said that Stroud really could push into the Mahomes territory of production of you know eliteness at the position because he's the most physically gifted to run the Shanahan tree offense, right? I mean, Matt Stafford has a probably a better pure arm than CJ Stroud does. But CJ Stroud, as we saw in this Bengals game, can move. He can make plays with his feet. He can run. He can also make plays on the move with his arm. And so he has the ability to win within structure, with timing, over the middle of the field, pretty much a prerequisite for the Shanahan offense. You know, that's why Brock Purdy can excel there. That's why Jimmy G could excel there. It's like that's the area of the field that you need to be nails at and that's why CJ Stroud is nails there. And why, like in the pre-draft process, I was like, you know, schematically, Stroud made the most sense for the Texans. Richardson made the most sense for the Colts. And Levis made the most sense for the Tennessee Titans. Like that was what they run. I thought those were the ideal fits for them. And so each team, I think, got the guy that they probably, now obviously maybe not necessarily wanted, probably some teams may have been higher on CJ Stroud, but like they were fits for their respective offenses and schemes they went to and man happy as heck for him i i at this rate now it may not happen next year but that man's going to get a head coaching job and like i said i i could not be more happy because he's such a great dude all he wanted to do was learn ball all he wanted to do was improve at his craft all he wanted to do was get better not not a not as common a trait as you might think among nfl head coaches right you know, constant, uh, constant improvement, you know, self, self-reflection, not a trait that every, you know, guy that makes it to OCDC head coach in the sport has, unfortunately. And to me, it seems like one that's a necessary one if you want to be the best of the best. So only a matter of time with Bobby. Very happy for him. All right, my next takeaway here. Takeaway number four, we'll say. Lions win. 41-38 over the Chargers. 
Dan Campbell has some cojones. My Lord. One of the very first times. So, fourth and two, 26-yard line, less than two minutes remaining, 43-yard attempt. Ten years ago, no one even debates going for it, right? There, there's not even a – no one bats an eye. That is auto field goal. Hope you stop them. Trust the defense. Even in a game that you've let up 38 points already, trust the defense, right? And in this situation, ESPN's analytics model had them as a field goal, had field goal as a higher win percentage than going for it. Something that never happens, that the coaches never swing that side. And it's one of the strongest arguments against the, you know, quote unquote gut method that coaches so often cite where they're like, you don't know who's on the football field. You know, you don't know, you can't know how we're playing that game to go for it is that coaches say that, but then always night, not always, obviously, because this one Dan Campbell went for it, but 99% of the time they say that. And then they err on the side of being conservative. There's never, you don't know who's on the football field and we're going for it when we shouldn't go for it. Or when the analytics says, don't go for it. That never happens. This time it happened. And now trust it. ESPN's the analytics model or say it's flawed or whatnot. But the fact that he went for that, got it, gets a W when they don't get that. Chargers go down and kick a field goal. You're not hearing the end of that, right? That, that's something that Mike Lombardi's on Twitter calling for your job, right? <laughs> that's, his, that's his favorite thing to do is questioning your fourth down decision when it doesn't go well. He literally is chomping at the bit, ready to tweet something about it at the end of games. And in this one, it worked out for them. And they went for five fourth downs in this game. Five. And my favorite was, so second drive of the game, they went for three fourth downs in the second drive of the game. Convert the first two, fourth and one at the goal line, don't get it on the, on the third fourth down attempt. Give it back to the Chargers. Chargers punt it back. Chargers, you know, only get nine yards, don't even get a first down, punt it back to the Lions. Lions get all the way back to the one-yard line yet again and have another fourth and one. After last time, you could say, oh, you know, we didn't get points last time. We got to come away with points this time. Hell no. Dan Campbell said, heck no. Heck no, he said. I don't know if I can say H-E-L-L, but we'll leave it in. Dan Campbell said, heck no. Went for it. They score a touchdown. Rest is history. Dan Campbell, your current face of analytics. Also, this Lions offensive line is a house. For my money... You got the Eagles as the number one O-line in the NFL, but then the Lions are clearly the second-best offensive line in the NFL. And that's going to that's gonna be a fun NFC playoffs now with the Lions here sitting at 7-2, and two, shouting distance to the one seed in the NFC. And it's going to be very fun to watch down the stretch because Eagles look great. Cowboys now look great. 49ers, obviously. Super talented. Top of the NFC is going to be a very fun matchup to come playoff time. We'll get to the top three here in just a second. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. 
All-in prices show you the total upfront so you know what you're getting great deals without hidden fees, and you can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. GameTime is obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. With zone deals, you can pick the section, and GameTime picks the seats for an average of savings of up to 18%. And the GameTime guarantees mean you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Now, I don't know how I'd go looking after I already got tickets, but it's good peace of mind. Takes the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L for $20 off your first purchase. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. All right, top three takeaways here. Number three. Sam Howell, I have no clue what to make of him, but he is quite easily looking like the best quarterback from the 2022 NFL draft class. And now it wasn't a good draft class for quarterbacks, right? It was the first time, I think, since we started grading college in 2015 at PFF, or since I started doing draft stuff, that I didn't have a first-round grade on any of the quarterbacks. Um, now, Sam Howell was my quarterback one. Sam Monson ultimately talked me into putting Malik Willis as QB1 on the PFF draft board because our last draft board's a collaborative board. I didn't love it. I I acquiesced because I got outvoted. But Sam Howell looks darn good, man. And he's only 23. That's the other thing. You got Des Ritter, 24, spent four years as a starter in college. Kenny Pickett, 25, multiple years as a starter in college. I believe was it three or four as a starter at Pittsburgh? How was how was 21 coming out? Two years as a starter in a gimmicky offense. The man deserves some time. And the good news is, over the course of the season, he's improving. And the biggest thing that I've seen improve is his taking of sacks, right? That was he was on pace to shatter the NFL record through like the first four weeks of the season. So Sam Howell's first seven games had four plus sacks in every single one. He was holding onto the ball too long, not getting to his check down. Past three games, only seven sacks total over that span. And the biggest thing, he's checking the ball down. He's getting when it's not there. He's not locking on and staying on those deeper routes that aren't developing, that are going to be shut down. And he's getting to that check down in rhythm. And then he's also getting out of pockets quicker. I think that is the other thing was that he would just hold and hold and hold when he's athletic, man, you don't, you see something's not there and he had multiple scramble plays that resulted in big plays, but 10 checkdowns the past two weeks, first four weeks of the season, he only had nine total. The game's evolving. The guy's getting better at the things he was weak at to start. And that's what you need to see. And now it's still not great, right? But that game tying drive was high end stuff from him. That last throw was a absolute dot. Probably the best throw of the weekend. I mean, he falling off to the side, put it into a tiny window to his college target, Deami Brown. And Deami obviously did the rest, but there was not a window there. And he had to put it at that height for his guy to come down with it. I, uh, I've been impressed, man. 1,034 yards over the past three games. Second most in the NFL behind only Dakota Prescott. We'll see. You give him this. And it's been more than enough that I think you give them next season now too, because you're not going to be in a position to draft one of these guys. And how was talented coming out? 
him falling in the fifth round was an absolute joke. For as much as I said that wasn't a good quarterback class, it wasn't that bad. And the man's got an arm, and he's mobile. And you're seeing it. You're seeing it kind of come and improve. Now, is he ever going to be – is he going to look like C.J. Shroud? No. You know, I think his height's still going to be an issue for him long-term, and he may never reach the highest of highs. But if you're Washington right now, and with their quarterback history – it's one of those like beggars can't be choosers sort of situations. There's just, uh, <laughs> I think you got to roll with it. And again, still young. And as long as he's improving, that's all you can really ask for from Sam Howell. So very impressed with what I saw from this last weekend, even if it ultimately was a losing effort. But the last three games, Eagles, Patriots, Seahawks, those aren't cakewalks of defenses. Now, maybe they're not elite defenses, but they're not like, this isn't the Bears that he's carving up, right? This isn't the Giants that he's carving up right now. On to number two takeaway from the weekend that was. The Jets, they botched the quarterback. They botched it so hard post Aaron Rodgers' injury. And they have to see it in practice, right, with Zach Wilson. No one looks as bad as he does on a weekly basis and, like, looks good in practice. I just I refuse to believe that's possible. But if this team had Gardner Minshew right now, Josh Dobbs, right now, Jacoby Brissett right now, even Jameis Winston right now. This is a playoff team. They they are they are the Spider-Man meme with the Browns. And the Browns haven't had good quarterback play, right? They just haven't had disaster quarterback play. They just haven't had the worst quarterback play of the past decade. And that's not hyperbole. The only two quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks, with a lower EPA per play over the past decade, Jared Goff as a rookie, 2016. Josh Rosen as a rookie, 2018. That's it. And now those guys did not make full seasons because of how bad they were. I don't think Zach Wilson plays a full season. He's going to have the lowest total EPA over the past decade, this passing offense. It's been that bad. That bad. Anything else? And that's not... Okay, Any, anything, any modicum of better. You're seeing it in Minnesota, and we'll get to that as the number one takeaway here, but anyone else, man. And it's just, I honestly didn't think his first half yesterday wasn't even that bad. It's just when he has to drop back and the other team knows he has to drop back and pass, it's over. When the training wheels come off, Zach just crumbles. He crumbles. He stares down receivers. He won't get past his first read. Fall into sacks. It's bad. It's hard to watch, man. And I feel for Jets fans, this has to be one of the most frustrating seasons for any fan base, maybe NFL history right now, because this is a team that's good. It's a good roster. And he's costing him. He's costing him. All right, before we get to the number one takeaway, today's podcast brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Man, I had a single-game parlay against the Ravens that I thought was looking great first half yesterday. What happened the second half there? I had actually had Odell's under receiving prop 
can't believe that hit on one catch. That one really, that was the beginning of the end for me on the day of betting. But visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Final takeaway from week 10 of the NFL season. And it's Kevin O'Connell, head coach for the Minnesota Vikings. I hate as a Packers fan wearing my Green Bay hat right now that I'm praising two NFC North head coaches on this podcast, but they deserve it, man. Kevin O'Connell has the Minnesota Vikings now at six and four. If the playoff, excuse me, if the season were to end right now, this is a playoff team. Who would have thought that after an 0-3 start? We've all seen the stats, right? 0-3, how many of them make the playoffs? Like zero of them, like 0.5%, whatever. You're dead in the water. No, he has this team turned around. And with Josh Dobbs playing quarterback, with Kirk Cousins out the last two weeks with an ACL, they've won both those games against the top two teams in the AFC South. NFC South, excuse me. I guess the Falcons now not one of the top two teams after they keep losing. But what was to the top two teams? A couple weeks ago and he is a heck of a play caller man what he is dialed up with josh dobbs and he had a design run call that i loved in that game it was like a fake inside zone quarterback draw design quarterback run that i truthfully have not seen on tape I, it's probably someone's probably run it but the way they dialed it up i've not, i've not seen it at the nfl level at minimum it was a very nasty play call on a short yard situation that Josh Jobs gained 11 yards on. And his use of play action in that offense is as good, is as well-schemed as I've seen in the NFL this year. And they have they spam play action. They have 33 more play action passes called this year than anyone else in the NFL. None of those have been picked off. None of those result in turnovers. And they continually move the change because of it. And Kevin O'Connell knows that they've had one of the worst running games in the NFL yet they still span play action because you don't need to be the greatest running game to have effective play action. It's about play design. And he understands that. And again, I said earlier about how Bobby Slowick looks like the closest thing to Kyle Shanahan. I think of the now growing Sean McVay tree around the NFL, his looks, his offense looks a lot closer to Sean McVay's and Zach Taylor's. Obviously it's not even close. Like Zach Taylor's looks nothing like Sean McVay's. Kevin kind of really took a lot of the same core concepts, a lot of the same beliefs of how to run your offense, as deploying them in Minnesota. And what I love is how they deploy their wide receivers. It's kind of like the routes they run from them, whether it's Jordan Addison, Justin Jefferson when he was healthy, TJ Hawkinson. They have a lot of routes that break between like 10 and 15 yards in the seams. And so they're going either posts, corners, post corners, corner posts. They, they run those a ton. They put a lot of pressure on your safeties with that. And especially nowadays with everyone running cover four, where those are the routes that safeties have to guard. They have to guard at that level of the football field. The seams, you're bearing right down on them. And the personnel that they've devised, again, with Hawkinson, with Addison, those are guys that can win those routes. Those are what they do in their sleep is sell those routes extremely well in space, manipulate those guys with their stems, and then get open. It's why during draft time I said, you know, when the four straight wide receivers went off the board, when it was JSM, Quentin Johnston, uh, Zay, and then Jordan Addison. I said on draft day, I think there is a possibility that all four of those teams got the guy they had as wide receiver one in the class. Because one, they were like that close from an evaluation perspective, but also just the fits of all of them, where 
you know, the, I mean, obviously the Seahawks got their number one wide receiver. They had the pick of all of them. And then the chargers, I, I don't think would have gone Jackson Smith and Jigba. That's what they, that's not what they wanted in their offense. Um, they didn't need, they don't really need a slot receiver like that to run that offense. Uh, and that's obviously not the routes that Justin Herbert loves to throw. Like they needed the speed, they needed the vertical threat and they like big catch radius guys when you have Justin Herbert who just zips it in there. And when he has a cannon, like he does off target passes, you need someone who can adjust to those quite easily. And so Quinn Johnson, is he going to be that guy TBD, but he was probably number one on their board. And then you go to say flowers. What do, you know, what did the Baltimore Ravens want in that offense dynamism, right? you got Lamar Jackson, you're bringing in Todd Munkin. You want guys that can break tackles, be at guys after the catch. I think there's a very good possibility that Zay Flowers was their wide receiver one for that offense because, you know, signing Odell, Jack Smith and Jig was very, would have been very redundant to the role Odell is now playing kind of in that offense. And then finally, Jordan Addison, like you wanted a guy to take pressure off of Justin Jefferson, a guy who's a one-on-one route runner who can beat coverage when he has those one-on-ones. And yeah, Jackson Smith and Jigba is that too, but I think the vertical tree that Vikings go back to so much. And again, I'm talking about the play action game that they do. You're not, you're not running the routes that Jack Smith and Jigba does off of play action. He's not winning on the, that's not where he wins as a wide receiver. I think there's a good chance all four got the guys they wanted. And obviously in that offense, Jordan Addison has been excelling. So hats off to Kevin O'Connell, obviously hats off to Josh Dobbs too. That guy's, uh, a magician. I wrote Kevin O'Connell magician. Josh Jobs is too. I don't know how you go to a brand new scheme as quickly as he has and put it on the way he does. I mean, he's a astrophysicist. So learning playbook probably comes second nature to him. The guy guy's good, man. He's, he's got, he's not like a, I don't think anyone's going to be mistaking him for, you know, true franchise quarterback, $40 million a year guy anytime soon. But Everyone wants a guy that can win games as a backup. Josh Dobbs is quite obviously that guy. We'll be in the league for a very, very long time. There you have it. My top five takeaways from week 10 of the NFL. Very fun week of football. Hopefully Monday night delivers as well. Broncos, Bills. We shall see. But this week coming up on Renner Ranks, getting a little behind on the top five position rankings because there's a lot. 11 different position groups to go through. We've only hit four, I believe, at this point. So we're going to kick a bunch of position groups. This two, Tomorrow's show is going to be DTs. Wednesday's show is going to be interior office line. Thursday's show is going to be Austin Gale, as it always is, ranking whatever. We are not. We don't do serious rankings with Austin Gale when he comes on. And then Friday's show, running backs with TBD on who we're going to get for running backs. But we'll get another draft analyst to do that for the next two days. I will just be ranking the DT classes and the interior offensive line classes. Very much looking forward to that. Very much looking forward to the draft. Draft season almost upon us. If you are certain fans around the NFL, like me, a Packers fan, draft season's already here. So let's celebrate. All right. That was a fun one. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And talk to you again tomorrow.